to be clear, Travis, when you say you're staying in a courtyard in Paris, that's a courtyard by Marriott, not a courtyard like an outdoor space <laughs> around someone's house, right? Yes, it's We're a courtyard by Marriott. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and they good. might I have about use to, of like, Eiffel Tower have too. Have an intervention. <laughs> okay. Well, there's some good courtyards not by Marriott that have good views of Eiffel Tower too, but a little that's cold. True. That's true. A little cold. <laughs> All right, welcome to Takeoff, a points and miles podcast by 10X Travel. I'm your host, Bryce Conway. Today, I'm joined by Emily and Travis. We are without a mat today, but we're still going to proceed as normal, talking about 2024 travel trends, both for general travel and points and miles. And before we kind of jump into that, a quick, how are we doing today, Travis and Emily? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Uh, it's it's a cold December day in Houston, but... uh. Had a good What's weekend. cold in Houston? It's like 38 degrees this morning. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Let's pass. Wait, hold on. Is Ted Cruz on his way to Cancun yet? <laughs> no? Okay, so it's not that cold, but yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, uh, although I am a little bit worried. Um, I know a lot of our listeners have heard me be talking about my Paris trip for a while, and this is still being recorded before that. I think this should be the last one, but panicking just a little bit because I was talking to Maria last night. Uh, just about like what we're what we'll pack and stuff and i was like i was wearing this this jacket we went out to this uh christmas lights event last night and i said oh you know i think like when we're in paris i'll just wear like a hoodie with this jacket over it and i'll be fine she's like travis it's gonna be cold it's gonna be cold that's not gonna be enough she said and also you'll stick out like an american wearing a hoodie with a jacket (laughs) on top of it so now i have to figure out some better thermal protection for for my trip so panicking a little bit since i've only got about two weeks but we'll see we'll see how fedex and ups are doing this time of year they're known for speedy shipping in december (laughs) it sounds like you're gonna go to the mall (laughs) (laughs) those still exist uh, they do. They're I was not at fun one. Anymore. They're, it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you should own the hoodie thing, Travis. Just, you know, no, no apologies. Just kind of wear it as if you're trying to bring hoodies to France. Yeah. Proudly strolling down the Champs Elysees. I thought uh, like, I thought the hoodie with like a, like a peacoat. I thought that was like an in-style look. Is that see, not? That's, that's, well, what that's what a I hooded peacoat. That's not a hoodie. I'm okay. a different thing. You it's know? not a it's not a peacoat. It's a uh, it's like a bomber jacket. So I'm doing like a bomber jacket over over a hoodie. I thought that would be be fine, but I'm being told I'm being told not, which is really really unfortunate because when I travel, see, let's bring this to travel. When I travel, especially in the cold times, I just want to bring like one or two things. I don't want to have to have a number of different jackets or coats to pick from. I just want one. And so that was going to be my one, which technically is two items, but that was going to be my one outfit to stay warm that would show up in every single picture, no matter where we are. And now I'm maybe having to pivot from that. <laughs> I feel like to bring this back to travel too, I was just reading an article a couple of days ago. It's in one of like the like New York Times or Wall Street Journal. This isn't like some fringe article. It was talking about how the, like the French, they were interviewing French people who were kind of generally upset because the most popular dish in the cafes there now is what they call an American glazed donut, like just like a normal glazed donut. And they think that's kind of beneath French cafe culture. And they're upset that like that's kind of taking on. You could be the next step in that trend, Travis. The American hooded sweatshirt. Just taking over every French fashion house ever. Dior does not know what to do. They have to make different styles of hoodies because that's what the people want. (laughs) It all started right here. I wonder... (laughs) 
what they generally wear to keep warm in the winter. Because when I was in Paris in May and it was like 60 degrees out, people were wearing full winter coats. So if they're needing to dress that warmly at that temperature, like they must be really layering up. (laughs) Well, I'll report back in a few weeks. Okay. (laughs) Very good. Yes. And we'll definitely, of course, share that here on the podcast. Maybe some pictures, videos in the show notes of Travis just being insulted by locals for the what he's wearing out in public but i'm here for it mm-hmm. let's get a gopro strapped to that head and get the real american <laughs> tourist experience <laughs> anyway we mentioned we're going to talk about 2024 travel trends and we will here in just a moment but first i want to say about usual things if you're new to points and miles or just feel like you could use a refresher we recommend going back and listening to episodes one through six of this podcast we kind of cover the basic fundamentals of points and miles the things that you need to know to book that trip to Paris to be insulted about what you're wearing. And as you're planning your 2024 travel, don't forget that we have all the tools you need to maximize your points and miles this year. We'll make it easy to book award travel by becoming a member of 10X Travel Plus. Once inside, you'll receive a ton of member-only perks, including an annual free award booking, award space email alerts before anyone else gets them, and up to two one-on-one consultations with a member of our 10X Travel staff. You can manage your points and miles for free in one place using My10X, including a tool for MyNext card. It'll take a look at which cards you already have and recommend the best one for your particular wallet. And last but not least, when in doubt, don't forget to consult our best cards list at 10xtravel.com slash best-credit-cards, which is updated in real time to save you the time for hunting down the best sign-up bonuses and cardholder perks. We make it easy for you. That is linked in the show notes and easy to find on the website. With that said, in today's episode, we're taking a look at the top travel trends of 2024 after rounding up a handful of reports and predictions from major brands like Expedia, Hilton, Lonely Planet, and more. We'll try to distill and break it all down for you. We'll talk about how we would be visiting some of these top destinations, other places you should maybe consider to save money or hassle, as well as a handful of other side trails that we're going to inevitably go down, all things about 2024 travel. So, we're going to jump in here in just a minute, but first I want to ask a general question of Emily and Travis. Resolutions for 2024. Do we have anything travel or otherwise that's kind of on your mind that you want to make a change next year? Other than Travis earning the Southwest Companion Pass for the first time, that one's <laughs> obvious with your 100 flight. But other than that, anything on your mind for that? Mm, do I have a resolution that's travel related? Uh doesn't have to be. I heard that you might be trying to learn pickleball <laughs> from a side conversation. Yeah. So that could be your resolution. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not doing that great at it just yet, but uh I still have a I still have time to improve my skills, hopefully get less injured. Travis Bryce and I were chatting beforehand and I skinned my knee, which made me feel like a 10-year-old playing pickleball. <laughs> I thought that the whole purpose of pickleball was that it's less intensive, you're less likely to get injured and you figured out how to do it. Yeah. Well, um <laughs> I'm quite competitive and I don't know how to let things go. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I right there just, with you. I can't just admit that maybe I wasn't going to get to that ball. I have to run as hard as I can trip and then rip my knee open. So yeah, my New Year's resolution is don't do that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Love it. I'm not a, a resolution person. I don't do New Year's resolutions. So I'm, I'm, I'm being lame here. I don't really have anything. I mean, I think if anything, we've wanted to travel with the dogs more, do some more kind of easy road trips. 
where we can we can bring them along. Um, sleeping in the background back there. One's hard to see because she's she's white and in the sun, but uh, she's there. They'll probably move <laughs> around some during this recording. So that's probably the closest I have to a resolution, but it's not necessarily tied to being for the New Year's. It's a good one. I love it. I, I have they, one uh, that kind of combines travel and work to, to round yeah. out this question here. I'm going to stop working while traveling. <laughs> while traveling on vacation, that is, rather. Because I spend... Yeah. I feel like I, I go on these trips, get away with my family. It's like, ah, we're going to just disconnect from everything. And there I am in the airport lounge, like laptop open, moderating the Facebook group or something that like we have other people that are doing and like I am probably just getting in the way. So travel more, work less while traveling. That's a good one. I like it. Yep. Okay. That said, let's talk about 2024 travel trends, pulling from some of these kind of studies, I guess, if you will, or overviews that are put out by these major travel brands. The first one that came up is something called set jetting. This is basically traveling to places that you've seen in movie sets for the purpose of generally, I'd say, taking a picture, kind of trying to mimic what you saw on TV. This is a trend that's been happening for quite some time, but I've never actually heard the phrase set jetting. And as soon as it was said, it just immediately made sense to me. Like, yes. And this is something I think a lot of people do. Like most people you talk to would be like, no. I don't do that. Yep. But then they end up doing that. And I'm actually on this list too. So Travis, I think you you sound like you have something that you want to say about set jetting. What's your experience with that? I mean, I, I, I had that exact same reaction of, oh, I don't do this. And was kind of being a, a millennial and thinking, oh, is this a Gen Z trend that's popping up now uh, as Gen Zs are, you know, like getting older. And then looking into the research and the data, first of all, reminded me that yes, I do this. I might not do a trip with the intention of doing this, but I definitely do this when I'm on a trip. But I was so surprised at some of the data. One of our reports shared that uh, the first two seasons of The White Lotus drove a 300% increase in travel demand to Hawaii and Sicily, which just blew my mind. Like, (laughs) 300% is incredible, especially when you consider that these are destinations that people are already wanting to travel to. This isn't off the the map Greenland or something. Sorry, sorry, Greenland. You are what just (laughs) popped into my mind. White Lotus season five, Greenland. It's coming. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's not places that people aren't already traveling to. So seeing such a huge surge because of the show, like really shocked me. Um, I was really, really surprised when, when I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Same. 300% is just an absolutely insane statistic. And like you said, especially for Hawaii, like Sicily, I guess would make sense to me because for most people, Sicily doesn't jump to top of mind of like, okay, where have you always wanted to go? Sicily. I, I don't hear that a lot, but Hawaii, absolutely. But for White Lotus in particular, people in my experience seem to be wanting to go to the exact same properties. Resorts, yeah. like the, uh, yeah, the White Lotus in Hawaii was, was that the four seasons, if I'm not mistaken, or the, uh, let me Google this real quick. I don't want to get this wrong. Hawaii filmed. I'm pretty sure it was the Four Seasons. Whatever it was, yeah, Four Seasons Resort in Maui. Because I, I admittedly kind of, I, I fell for this. I watched White Lotus season two, and I was like, that resort looks amazing. So I pull up the website for the Four Seasons in Maui. Yeah, it's expensive. (laughs) Very, very expensive. Even if you have millions of points, it's like, whew, pricey. But I can understand the appeal, and I would love to go there at some point. I mean, uh, probably a. If you're going to go, don't forget to take advantage of your uh, the hotel credit that's available on the Amex Platinum when you book fine hotels and resorts. You know, get $200. 
right there. That's that's <laughs> oh, probably it's <laughs> a bagels, dry that's, bagels sent to your room. Yeah, like that's one percent of your total stay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I will say for anyone that is looking to go, booking through one of the kind of hotel luxury programs would certainly help a little bit. You know, we have a partnership there with our luxury hotel award booking team. It's not gonna make make this, you know, from out of budget to in budget for kind of the typical family or typical travelers, but it'll save you a few hundred bucks, get you some perks. It's, it's worth looking into. Yeah, it's it's more going through those travel advisors like that we partner with, or if you have a trusted travel advisor, which like, that's how you know that it's for luxury stuff. They're no longer travel agents, they're travel advisors. Um, <laughs> they change their... I've also heard um, like trip designers, Ah, which um, makes it sound even more bougie. <laughs> yeah. You generally don't go through those people for savings. And sometimes they can get you a better deal, but you're going through them for a better perk when you're already going to be paying for, for the trip anyways. But let's digress to 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 set jetting. Like I said, when when we when I first saw this, I was like, that's not something I would do. But then I started thinking about it and realized that uh, for my trip to Australia, New Zealand in March, someone was telling me about how you can like Airbnb and stay in one of the Hobbit houses from Lord of the Rings. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't booked it yet. So I <laughs> don't have this locked down, but I really want to, I'm going to hit my head on absolutely yeah. everything. I was going to say, how are, like, gonna, how, how are you going to get in there? <laughs> I don't know, but how cool would that be to stay in the Hobbit houses from Lord of the Rings? And I was like, well, guess I may set Jetter now. Yeah. I was a, <laughs> I mean, uh, huge Lord of the Rings fan growing up. So that to me sounds ideal. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for a just slightly more lowbrow version of staying in that house from Lord of the Rings, I'm told you can actually rent the house from Jersey Shore and stay there (laughs) because that looks so comfortable and luxurious in the show. I would love to spend time in that house. Mm. That's sarcasm, by the way. It's Monday morning. That might not be clear, but that's sarcasm. (laughs) Um, I think for me, you know, having done this for a while and actually some, some quick uh, context to this, when you sign up for our course and join our mailing list, one of the first emails you get is an automated one from me that asks like, where do you most want to go? And it, it prompts people, Hey, please reply to this. Like, let us know. We can kind of give some specific tips. So it gives me kind of this ongoing stream of like a look into where places are becoming popular or not. And one that just kind of came on like a rocket out of nowhere sometime in like 2016 and 17 was Croatia after Game of Thrones started to become super popular. People are trying to get going to Dubrovnik, you know, it's where King's Landing is filmed for most of the uh, the show. You know, in 2014, 15, even 2016, I probably couldn't have picked out Croatia on a map and I've never heard of a reader saying, I want to go to Croatia. And then all of a sudden, one of the most popular places and destinations that we saw people asking about. So, you know, this uh, set jetting, I think, has a very real impact on on travel demand and travel behavior. And, and that's one of many examples we've seen lately. If you need another reason to go to Croatia, first of all, I've never been. But if you want another reason, Croatia is one of the few countries in the world whose geographic center is not located in the country. What? Okay. Uh, what? Go Say deeper more. on that one. <laughs> it's shaped like this, right? Uh, this is kind of backwards. Yeah. Hold on. It's mirrored. It's kind of shaped like this. And so the geographic center is like here. But the country's border is like this. Oh. So it's like oh. center of the country is not actually in the country. Interesting. Fun, fun fact. I never thought about <laughs> that. <laughs> now you have another fun reason to go. 
<laughs> Every time I look at a map of Croatia, which I'm looking at this now and apologize for the audio only <laughs> listeners. Croatia, as Travis kind of was just describing this hand, it does kind of, it just basically it's an L uh, with like the longer side of the L just completely going along the coast and absolutely blocking off all coastal and beach access to Bosnia. <laughs> I don't know what happened with like the drawing of lines back in the day, but Croatia is just like, you know what? We're going to take all the beach. You can have inland, but th this is all ours. There so. is actually a, a reason for it. And unfortunately, I'm forgetting it off the top of my head, but it's a very interesting story that I encourage you to to read. I, on a future episode, will go deep into <laughs> the geographical history of uh, lines of Croatia. Before we get too far away from Croatia, I just have to ask Bryce to say the name of that city again. <laughs> Dubrovnik? Is that not it? I don't think so. <laughs> How do you say it? I think Here it's, we go again. I think it's Dubrovnik. Dubrovnik. I, Dubrovnik. I'm okay. on Emily's team. I, I've always thought it was Dubrovnik, but I'm only, uh, I only know Croatian centers of geographical, oh yeah, the geographical centers, the geographical centers <laughs> of the country, not how to pronounce the capital's name. Here we I go. I don't know if, if any of us have this right, but according to Google, Dubrovnik, D-U-H space B-R-A-V space, space in the, you know, semantics, yeah. N-U-H-K, Dubrovnik. There we go. You can fly is. there with Avios and stay at a Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> actually, well, we're going to talk about how we actually would fly there in a minute, but, but I wanted to uh, ask Emily the, the question on, on set jetting. Oh, Emily, yeah. anywhere in particular come to mind for you for this particular trend? Yeah, this one um, is less about like a scripted show, um, but what I've noticed and, and have been kind of watching lately is some of these like documentary style shows around soccer. So if you've watched like Welcome to Wrexham or the Beckham documentary on Netflix, there's just this energy about going to a soccer game in the UK or a football game in the UK. <laughs> um, and <laughs> watching those, I, I don't know if there's evidence that it's spiked travel to the UK. It's already a hugely popular place, but it makes me want to go and watch a soccer game there. Okay. So you mentioned spiking travel. Are you like all caught up on, uh, on Wrexham? Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't watched the second season yet. I oh, man. Oh, man. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> well, so this this is like not a huge spoiler. Like this isn't about the, the team or anything, but this is related to travel. But Emily or anyone else, this is a spoiler alert. There's a whole episode about people traveling. And there's uh, this these two friends, one who I believe is from, well, they're both from... I think India or Sri Lanka, one moved to the U.S. and they have not been able to see each other in years, like best friends. And they reunited over Wrexham soccer and met up to go and, wow. and see it. Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney, if you want more people to travel, uh, we will gladly <laughs> take a sponsored trip out to Wrexham <laughs> and we will record a live podcast episode uh, at the race course. So Contact us, Travis, at 10xTravel.com uh, to set it up. <laughs> yes, if it's not obvious, Ryan Reynolds needs help with his yeah. kind of media portfolio and reach. So he should certainly approach Takeoff, yes. a podcast by 10x Travel. Yes. We can provide him at least at one twentieth of a percent of additional reach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Done. I think I it would like be make, would make be or remiss. break for his 2024. Yes, we, we would make, yeah. We make hey, him famous. You never know. There's <laughs> surely probably some listener out there who has a, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon relationship with Rob McElhinney or Ryan Reynolds who will figure out how to get us there. So please, if you're listening, 
make this happen for us. <laughs> yeah, we can we can put Ryan Reynolds on the map. In I fact, think. he could be on the podcast. Both he and and uh, boom and Rob could be could be our special guests as mm-hmm. well. They just need to fly us out to the race course. And if you're keeping up with your uh, takeoff podcast bingo card, we now have a discussion on pronunciation. And there's our usual attempt at uh, soliciting a brand or individual whose <laughs> profile is way beyond what we should be discussing. And we're just asking them to come on the pod and sponsor us. So there's two. Two more might get you a bingo. Anyway, let's talk about how we would get to these places that we are potentially thinking about going to set jet. Emily, and you mentioned going to see some football action. Uh, how would yeah. you do that with points and miles? Well, the first thing that I would try and avoid doing, which sounds kind of odd to the you know regular person traveling to the UK, but I would try and avoid flying into London at all costs. And that is because of the really high taxes and fees you, that you still have to pay even when you uh, use points and miles to try and fly there. So I would try and start by tacking on another city to explore that's that's nearby and flying there. So... I'd probably look at using Flying Blue to fly Air France, maybe fly from direct from Denver to Paris and then take a short flight into, you know, the closest place to go see my soccer game. Um, I would also maybe consider uh, Dublin. That could be cool. Um, and that's that's not too far away either. So I'd, I'd start thinking about what other cities I want to explore. And then I have a ton of Chase Ultimate Rewards points. I have a ton of American Express membership rewards, those both transfer to Flying Blue. So um, that would probably be one of my starting places, especially because they have uh, some direct flights out of Denver. Love it. And I'll, I'll hop in next because my answer would be very similar to Emily's. I feel like if you're looking to go even to like the general Europe area, not even right to the continent, but you want to end up there, Flying Blue has become the very first thing to search because award space has been so good lately. Transfer bonuses have been pretty consistent. You're getting, you know, 20, 30% additional miles when transferring from a program like American Express. And the product is pretty good, like a C plus, B minus, you know, the herringbone, you're going to lie flat. Oh, Travis, this might be a, a discussion. It's pretty good. I wouldn't say it wouldn't wow you. The food is quite good, I will say, but pretty good, relatively easy to do. If you have transferable currencies, which I, I hope that you do, if you're following general points and miles strategy, especially what we teach at 10X. These are all very doable trips. And I would take a similar strategy to Emily, not because I'm trying to avoid taxes and fees of London, which of course anyone going to Europe should be aware of that. But I think just the philosophy when, or the approach when using points and miles to fly to Europe is to just optimize for that over the ocean flight. If you want to end up in Dubrovnik, is that what you ended up on? Dubrovnik. (laughs) Search for, you know, Rome, Paris, other major, Amsterdam, kind of other major European hubs. And then you can potentially spend a day or two wherever you land grab another cheap cash flight to your ultimate destination. It's going to be net net cheaper for both points and cash. Yeah. My, my reaction was solely like, I agree with you. It's pretty good. It's not a great business class by any means, but it's pretty good. But when you said like pretty good and called it a C plus, I was like, this is a B to B plus. Like it's not an A, it's not even quite. <laughs> Sorry, an a I'm not minus, using the millennial but, grading scale. Uh, I think like a C is truly average. Not like a C is like you failed and you're, your parents need to swoop in and talk to the teacher. <laughs> Maybe that's slightly above average. So now we know who was a straight A student and who wasn't. Um, <laughs> uh, not me. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Also, like if you're going to Europe, don't overlook Frankfurt. Um, it's a business hub, but Lufthansa tends to have pretty good availability. That is what I call a C, C plus yeah. level business class. But 
I would still take a CC plus business class over an A plus economy, but I'm mm. spoiled. I'm spoiled <laughs> and I'm six, five. So don't this know that conversion a- for our European listeners who will be big <laughs> listeners to the podcast after we show up uh, 2. with 2.8 meters. Ryan Reynolds and <laughs> Rob McElhinney. But, uh, you know, it is what it is for me. I picked Australia, New Zealand. I used United miles to book United business class from Houston to Sydney nonstop. Honestly, Australia, New Zealand is kind of one of the harder ones to do with points and miles. That is a destination where having flexible currency really comes in handy because if you're wanting to go, you need to book whatever is available and whatever is available is not much. Um, I think one of the most reliable ways of doing it is flying Singapore business class via Singapore. It makes the trip even longer than it already (laughs) is. So long. But it is one of the more reliable ways of getting there right now. Used to, you could go through Japan pretty reliably, um, but with a surgeon travel to Japan over the past year or so, that's that's becoming a, a tough one as well. I think some of the, the popularity of travel to Japan is being driven by the fact that Japan was seemingly closed for longer than most places during kind of the COVID lockdowns. And you had the Olympics that were supposed to happen during that time. So you did have thousands and thousands of people who had trips planned to Japan, that trip was, you know, canceled due to COVID. And what we see is that people don't tend to just kind of let that go. They want to go back, right? Same with a lot of folks that we saw who had kind of honeymoons to Italy when when it was one of the first and longest to lock down. People don't just generally go back to drawing boards. Like, no, 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 I had my heart set on that. I want to go back. So I think you're still seeing some kind of lag in the demand uh, catching up there. Anyway, that's set jetting. Going to be a popular thing for 2024 and beyond, realistically. But moving on to the next one, one that I have some personal experience with, another trend to look out for in 2024 travel is something called tour trips or gig tripping. This is basically traveling generally abroad to get to some sort of event or concert. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that over half of this trend is probably being driven by two people, Taylor Swift and Harry Styles, right? Everyone who's having a hard time getting tickets to those incredibly popular shows doesn't want to pay thousands of dollars to go to the one that might be closest to their hometown is, is looking and saying, hey, even when you factor in the flight to Europe to go see one of these tours, the savings on the ticket is enough to justify potentially doing that. So with you know Taylor Swift's Eras Tour kind of going through its international leg, really, as we record this and, and into 2024, I think that's something you're going to be seeing quite a bit. We've already seen that from our readers. But it's something I wanted to ask, is that something that either of you have done, Emily Travis, or are considering doing in 2024? I haven't done it yet. I've traveled a lot domestically for shows, but I haven't traveled abroad for any yet. But a lot of my favorite bands now, now you guys know I'm a big Billy Strings fan. So he's got a whole (laughs) European tour. So it's definitely something I would consider for sure. And I have also thought some of the, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the, the festivals or like concerts that some artists do in Mexico where they're just like set up a big stage, either like right on the beach or in the water. And Everyone stays at a hotel and it's just like three days of music. I think that would be super fun, but I haven't figured out a really good way to do that using points and miles outside of the flights because you're usually required to pay cash and stay. It's like a package, stay at the all-inclusive hotel in order to go to the show. And I don't feel like spending money when I would normally use points to do something like that. So that's fair. That's fair. Um <laughs> I am way too spoiled, as we all know. Um, Being based in Houston, pretty much every major artist does end up coming here. 
So it, even if the tickets are more expensive, it can be hard for me to justify having to go through the travel and the travel costs when I can just leave from my house and come back and sleep in my bed like I did for Taylor Swift Harris tour. So I haven't done, I'm like Emily, I haven't really done it much for anything international, but I do travel domestically. We like to go to Austin City Limits Music Festival every year. It's a quick and easy drive, but I do use my points and miles to help offset the cost. Hotels get pretty expensive for it. So we usually stay, uh, there's a Hyatt house downtown that we tend to stay at a lot. Um, it's I think like 12 or 15,000 points a night. Um, but when cash rates, even for the Hyatt house are like four or $500 a night really makes an incredible difference. It's within scootering distance of the free shuttles that drop you off, like right at the show. It's a great way to utilize points and miles to help offset those costs uh, that you're getting when you're, when you're traveling for a show. Yeah. I, I had a bit of a similar example I, and I hesitate to even call this, what's the term tour tripping, but I also went to see Taylor Swift's Eras tour. I just drove down to Cincinnati, right? Hour and a half from Columbus, not a very far drive, but I'm very fortunate that when the moment that tour was announced, I grabbed a award reservation at a Hyatt, a low end Hyatt in downtown Cincinnati. I think it was literally the closest hotel to the stadium. Like you could see the seats of the stadium from my hotel room. It was like a four minute walk. I think I would use like 9,000 Hyatt points to book the night. And by the time the show came around, and I know this because I have friends who are trying to book there, cash rates were $850 to $950 a night for a low-end Hyatt, in which you make your own waffles for breakfast, like one of those places. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting there on my room, just like, this was great. I'm so glad I did this. I know it's Cincinnati. This isn't like the sexiest jet-setting tour-type destination, but that one saved me quite a bit of money. I, of course, got to see Taylor. Yeah. I, what is so, it? Right. What is it called when um, you do the opposite? So like Taylor Swift came to perform at Mile High Stadium, which is five blocks from my apartment. And I just like left town. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I don't want to deal with the traffic. There's going to be too many people in my neighborhood. I'm going to go away. (laughs) Go away. Did you consider maybe Airbnb being your place? (laughs) It's like a condo building. I don't know if it's allowed. (laughs) I should have. Uh, See that the Airbnb ethos is just, just do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that is true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, I I don't know what that's called, but I, I kind of reflecting on this again, like I said, my initial reaction was like, oh, I don't do that. And then thinking about it, I definitely do. I think as well, this has a lot of parallels and similarities to people who travel for sporting events. We went to New Orleans for the final four a few years ago. My wife is a Duke grad. It was Coach K's last season. They were playing UNC in the final four for the first time they lost, but just like getting that chance to go to this, this event um, was great. And points and miles helped, helped us save. Uh, We stayed at a Hyatt place, downtown new Orleans. That was like $800 a night. It was insane. 25,000 points instead. So it's, it's, it's very similar parallels to, you know, people traveling for, for sporting events. Um, not like Bryce has to worry about that because his Buckeyes didn't make the playoffs this year. Um, uh, <laughs> I was about to just toss a question like Travis, have you booked anything for Texas in the playoffs yet? Yeah. You could have left the Ohio state thing aside, but there it is. It happened all good. You could maybe get a hotel room from a disgruntled Florida state fan mm-hmm. who assumed they were going to get in and did not. Well, since we won't the, go down that rabbit hole. Well, I, these go words ahead. might be biting me by the time this uh, this airs, but uh, 
they'll beat Washington. They'll be playing in the championship game, which is a 10-minute train ride from my house. Because again, everything happens in Houston. And they'll be playing against Alabama because we all know that Michigan, no good. We'll leave that there. <laughs> so uh, I, have a qu- I have a question before we move on to this one. Do you think, so when people are traveling like this for an artist, are they thinking, oh, it would be really cool to also visit this city? Or is it like, I'm going to get whatever I can to see Taylor Swift and I'll go to whatever city. It doesn't matter. Like what, how much do you think is balanced by like, I, I would also like to go visit this city and it's cool that Taylor Swift is playing there. I think it's probably more the, this is where I managed to get tickets, at least for Taylor Swift. I'm sure there are some people who are, who are going to uh, maybe less international superstar level performers who are looking at it as yeah. well. I could go in my hometown or I could spend roughly the same to go to Mexico city is kind of a fairly affordable city to visit. Hotels tend to be pretty, pretty inexpensive. And it's so big that even when these shows are coming, like not every hotel is charging an insane amount of points. So I do think sometimes when it's a not as high in demand person, that there's definitely that opportunity to pick a city to visit as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that with some of even like friends that I know, you know, we're Columbus, Ohio, Taylor's tour didn't come here. And we see it a lot of times with, with the major tours that come through is they might hit Cleveland, Cincinnati and skip Columbus. They rarely do all three. And instead of thinking, okay, should we do Cincinnati or Detroit or maybe uh, drive to Chicago? I had a lot of friends who just kind of opened up the whole schedule and like, you know what, let's, let's go to LA. Like it's, it's only <laughs> modestly more expensive because the tickets make up 80% of the cost anyway. We might as well make a weekend of it. Let's do something fun. So I did see that quite a bit. And I, I think that's becoming a bit more of a trend too, kind of in the in the huge concert space, right? You saw this with Taylor and, and Harry Styles. It seems like the trend is less of let's hit 50 different cities on 50 nights. And it's more like let's do 20 cities in which we stop for three days at each one or more. You have Harry Styles who's basically just like, yo, I'm going to be in Chicago for a while. Come see me or don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's going to kind of push this rise of traveling for tourism because artists just realize they have the pull to make people come to them. Well, and it's, yeah. it's again, I think just the combination of so many events during COVID, like artists weren't touring. Now you get so many who are, you know, we've mentioned Taylor Swift, Harry Styles, don't forget Beyonce, U2, uh, Bad Bunny, like even some of these artists who may not be as popular to us as Americans that people are wanting to travel. I literally just saw someone in the Facebook group this morning post about having some flight delays and I think even like booking on Spirit instead to go see uh, a U2 concert. These are people who, even if it's not in my listening sphere, because my Spotify and Apple Music rewind and replay were all 100% Taylor Swift, <laughs> that are still highly popular artists that people are, are wanting to go see as well. And because people were kind of deprived of that experience for, for a few years, and now so many seem to be touring all at once, yeah. they're really, really wanting to, to jump on the opportunity to see their favorite artists because we almost feel like, well, when are we going to get the chance to again? Yeah. And I feel like one other cool spin on it too is traveling to see your favorite artist at a very specific venue. Like, especially with the sphere in Vegas now, like just the the quality of the venues, I think is driving a lot of tourism too. Not that Vegas needs help, but <laughs> just in general, like there's a lot of places I would travel to just to see any music in yeah. a specific venue. 
And perhaps one of the best examples of that is in your hometown, Emily, Red Rocks. Yeah. That seems yeah. to be a place that a lot of folks would travel to see just a performance of, of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. And I am lucky enough to get to go anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so any thoughts on, on how to kind of do this, like how we would book these sorts of trips, whether it be domestically for some of the tours we mentioned or internationally? I think a big thing, especially for domestic, is kind of like what you both described doing, which is like a tour gets announced of an artist you like, and maybe you book like a few speculative hotels, Hyatt hotels in different cities that you might be considering, because then for for the most part, you can cancel them easily with no penalty. And you can decide later if you're going to go and you already have this hotel that you don't have to pay $900 a night for to stay at a Hyatt house. So I would think about like just booking and then thinking afterwards. <laughs> Travis, anything else to add? No, I think Emily nailed it. I, <laughs> I mean, it, no, really, really, you know, this is this is one of those things where, again, having flexible points helps because you're traveling for a specific opportunity on an event when a lot of people are also going to be traveling. So you need to keep your options open, even if it is somewhere like we mentioned, like Mexico City. Being able to keep your options open is going to make a huge difference. I know. When I go to ACL or when I went to New Orleans for the final four, hotels become really hard to come by. A lot of hotels, basically for special events, so especially if it's a bigger event, reclassify all of their rooms so they don't sell at the published saver regular availability rate, which they are unfortunately allowed to do under their terms for, for special events. So if you only have Marriott points and Mary, all of the Marriott's in the, the area change it, then it's going to kind of could potentially come back to harm you versus having transferable points opens up some options. And also is just helpful if you happen to be in a city when an artist is performing there and you didn't know it, which is what happened to me in Edinburgh earlier this year. <laughs> uh, I think. I think it, it I know Beyonce, Beyonce right? I think it was Beyonce. Yeah. And so even like low end hotels that are normally like $60 a night were like $200 a night. I couldn't get any award availability and I was not going there for Beyonce. So having flexible points helped me save. So I used my Chase Ultimate Rewards through the Chase Travel Portal to book a hotel. It was one of those normally $60 a night was like 200 and I had like four days there. So I really wasn't excited about paying $200 a night for a travel lodge. It was a travel lodge. But because I had those flexible points, I just booked through the Chase Travel Portal for, can't do the math off the top of my head, let's call it 15,000 points per night. So it can also kind of give you that ability to hedge against if someone just happens to be in town and you don't know it. <laughs> I feel like we have our... We have our name and show concept for the sequel to Emily in Paris. It is Travis in a travel lodge. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So that is gig tripping, tour tripping. We've talked about set jetting as well. I'm going to move on to the next trend for 2024 travel. This one is called dupes or alternative trips. Now, for those of you who are maybe a little bit older or just not on TikTok, don't feel bad if you didn't catch this right away. But the idea of Dupe, which is like a TikTok trend, is where people highlight kind of affordable alternatives to popular products. The dupe being kind of the more affordable of the two, trying to get a similar experience for less money out of pocket. 
Emily is kind of our TikTok queen, if you will, <laughs> had an account with many thousands of followers that actually led to her getting this job. We'll save that for another story, another day. Um, so Emily, perhaps you could elaborate a little bit for us on yeah. the concept of dupes and, and some ideas for trip dupes. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely see it a lot in the retail space for sure. Like it's just people not wanting to spend $600 on the Dyson blow dryer and instead getting something that like creates the same effect, but ha- costs less money. So the idea that this is kind of expanding into travel is pretty cool because there's a lot of places that are very popular, but then by default, very expensive. So if you want a similar experience to uh, the Maldives, which I'm sure Tra- Travis can touch on, you know, it's people talking about where can you go to get that kind of same vibe and experience, but not have to fly as far or pay as much money. So we've come up with like a couple of different ideas that, that we've seen talked about and can kind of like help you with your own dupes. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Some of those particular examples, and I'm, and this one is from the uh, report put out by, I believe it was American Express did this one. Here are the, uh, a handful of examples that they highlight as good dupe opportunities. So they say Memphis instead of Nashville. <laughs> have either of you ever been to Memphis? I don't, I have not. Yeah. We have a friend who lives in Memphis and when we drive across the country in our van often, that's usually a pretty good stopping point between Denver and the East Coast or, or Florida in this case. But Memphis is pretty cool. I don't know if it's really like a dupe to Nashville. I think they're, I mean, yes, they're, they're pretty similar, but I don't know that I would say it's going to save you a ton of money to go to Memphis versus Nashville. I don't know. I've been to Nashville too, but both of them have like the same kind of like popular street, like Beale Street in Memphis and Broadway in Nashville. So you're getting a lot of the same vibes. And I think the the music that's popular there is a little bit different depending on which city you go to. Nashville's a little more country. Memphis is a little more jazz. Yeah. This is making me want to go to Memphis though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just saying Bryce is not a country music fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, probably be last on the list, but like, I don't dislike it, but yeah, I wouldn't seek it out. Next one on the list, uh, Sapporo over Zermatt. I feel like when I talk to folks who've been to Zermatt, the first thing everyone says is how expensive it is. And it has the mountain from the Toblerone wrapper. That's is, the kind is of the famous. set jetting? <laughs> Going to see uh, no, this is, the Toblerone well, yes, mountain. <laughs> yeah, I guess. From a chocolate wrapper. Yeah. But yeah, yeah you can't replicate that with a dupe. Uh, next one, Quebec City over Geneva. I feel like anything where you're going to Switzerland has to have some sort of dupe just because it's going to be so expensive once you get there. Yeah. There's a handful more. We'll link this in the show notes, but always, again, something to kind of be aware of. You don't always have to go to the destination that's kind of top of the list and tr- for popularity, especially if it's being driven by some of these media shows, et cetera. There's going to be great alternatives for you that you can see in this study, as well as I'm sure you can just kind of Google that sort of thing and find lots of wonderful dupe options yeah. after you kind of figure out what what dupe means um <laughs> yeah other other what? dupes that i guess are kind of on your list or places that that either of you have been before you want to go you want to do maldives travis sure i'll <laughs> I like go we should talk about I mean, yeah i've got more everyone, than, everyone says maldives yeah, yeah. I've, I've got more than maldives on here but i'll start there um yeah. i mean the the list starts off by saying seychelles over maldives and honestly first of all let me clarify i haven't been to the seychelles but i I can't imagine that that's really what people are looking for in a dupe trip. You're still from the U.S. traveling halfway across the world, basically. It's still a more remote island place that's expensive and, quite frankly, probably has a more expensive resort in North Island, technically, if you wanted to to go that far. 
in all seriousness, where I think if you're wanting a dupe for the Maldives, I'll preface this by saying I've not been to any of these places, but there's been a number of times when we're seeking out that similar experience and vibe of the Maldives and a few places that seem to have kind of checked that off, at least on paper. I think to start off is understanding what about the Maldives draws us there. Because a lot of people hear the Maldives and are like, oh, I really want to go there. Why? Because they've seen pictures and it's beautiful. But what's nice about it is if you're the type of person for whom relaxing means sitting somewhere where you can just be bored in a good way. Because you can't leave your island. Like you're stuck on, I mean, you can, but it's going to be really expensive to leave your island in the Maldives. So you're stuck with what's available on that island. And if that sounds horrible, horrible to you, then it would be bad. But for me, like knowing, oh, I can just sit around and read a book all day by the beach or go scuba diving because there's the water is idyllic. And so some places, points and miles specifically that I have seen that have felt like, oh, like I could get similar vibes to this um, are places like the the Park Hyatt in St. Kitts because it's a little little removed um, from, from most everything. So feels fairly isolated on itself with beautiful water. I'm also don't really care for overwater bungalow. So like, I'm not looking for that experience either. That's one. Another place that has come up before for us is St. Lucia, um, which does tend to be, I think a little on the expensive side for, for the Caribbean, but a lot of the, the places there uh, look like they would give us that that similar kind of luxurious vibe. There's a few less points options there directly. There's not as many chain hotels, um, but has given us those similar vibes. Another one, I'll stop with three, and Matt's been there, is the Sail Rock Resort in Turks and Caicos. Again, like the reason why certain places stick out is because of the remoteness and the isolation of them in just this beautiful, pristine beach environment. So I think that there are definitely places that not, that are going to be way easier to get to with or without points and miles than the Maldives or the yeah. Seychelles that could accomplish those those same goals. Haven't done it yet, but uh like definitely have been places that are on our radar. Emily, any other destinations that come to mind for you? Yeah, I have a a couple um at least from my Social media feeds, Lake Como seemed to be a huge travel destination this past year. I'm sure it will continue to be that going forward. So I was kind of looking around to see if there's any places that are similar. Just because Lake Como is terribly expensive, I'm sure people want that vibe without spending that that kind of money. Um, so one of the places that I have not been but but was looking into a little bit is in Austria called Lake Hallstatt. It's definitely less expensive because I don't think it has as much of the kind of like town, the coastal vibes or not coastal, but um, like the surrounding town. But the beauty is very much similar. So it's surrounded by mountains. It's got beautiful like little small islands within the lake. And I think that would be a cool place to check out. But can't can't vouch for it yet. But maybe we'll have to go on a on a 10x travel trip out there to verify. <laughs> maybe you can make us stop. After going to Wrexham and yeah. and hanging out with <laughs> with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. or 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 by the way, guys, we will accept just one of you. Either it doesn't have to be both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yep. one is the dupe of the other? 
Oh, like we're we're not playing favorites path. here. We like both of them equally. <laughs> whoever whoever is gonna gonna be on our side for this uh, is is who will support that. Uh-huh. I'd say, and then that would make it un- unequal. Whoever chooses, we like them more at that point going forward. So <laughs> yeah. we're gonna put that out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was one other one I I had. Unless you want to talk Austria first. <laughs> oh no no, no or I'm Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> or Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I, I I was gonna throw out another one of mine. So go ahead, Emily. Oh, okay. The other one that I was thinking about is um, a Portuguese island called Madeira, which I think can be considered a dupe for Hawaii, specifically Maui. We were in uh, Lisbon earlier this year and we met a couple who had just come from from this island and they were raving about it. It costs, it's a lot less expensive to go to. And depending where you live in the US, it could be also a lot closer than going to Maui if you live on the East Coast. But it's both Maui and Madeira are volcanic islands. So like a lot of the geography and the nature is, is similar or not. <laughs> No, Travis very, looks like no, very similar. No, no, no. I've, I've, I've not been. I was actually going to, to ask yeah. if you happen to know if Madeira is yeah. that part of the Azores. I'm not sure if it's part of the Azores, but it's very similar. Okay, because that was like, another place I was considering. Yeah, because when you were describing this, I've, I've, I'm not familiar with Madeira, and I've also not been to the Azores. But Azores is <laughs> is one of those options as well. That's a dupe for, yeah. for Hawaii. Maybe not yeah. so much. Google you, says they're not the same. They're not the same. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought, no. I thought you were saying that the Azores and Hawaii are not the same. I'm oh. like, okay, Bryce. That's <laughs> they're you know they're kind of close to each other, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think I think from what I know, you won't get the same like beach vibes in the Azores, and probably not in yeah. Madeira either. But um, also volcanic islands and everything. Yeah, I, I just heard it was very beautiful. So I am. Um, I wish I had known about it when we went to Portugal earlier this year and maybe we could have stopped over there and then I could accurately report on whether it's a dupe, but we'll just have to go back. <laughs> well, you know, I do, I do have one that I've actually been to that's on my Take list and apparently we're not letting Bryce talk about dupes at all. Um, <laughs> I, I have one to add, but we'll wait. Nicaragua, Central America. It's just North of Costa Rica. Great dupe for Costa Rica significantly cheaper. Uh, I mean, you get lush rainforests. You've got volcanoes. If you like like the Papagayo area of Costa Rica on the Pacific side, you've got San Juan del Sur on the Pacific side of Nicaragua, known as a very, very popular uh, surfing destination. We've had a number of readers go to Kalala Island, which is in the Corn Islands of Nicaragua, which is on the Caribbean side. It's a Hyatt property. I believe it's all-inclusive. There's like four rooms. That's it. Yeah. Um, it is, from my knowledge, fairly rustic. But everything in Nicaragua is so much cheaper than what you'll get in Costa Rica. I stayed in a hotel. We'll call it a hotel um, that is on the inside of a crater of an extinct volcano that has filled in and become a lake. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and like it was like 50, 60 bucks a night. This was a few years ago, but it was like literally when we checked out, we pretty much ate there every night. Like there was no AC. There was no hot water. It was fairly rustic, but it was just such an incredible experience. And when we checked out, our bill was like $500 and we thought it had to have been wrong because we were there for like five nights. You've got coffee plantations. You've got, uh, I said volcanoes, like there's actually a volcano outside of the town of uh, Granada. I believe it's mom. No, it's not Mombacho. Anyways, there's a volcano 
that is so active, you can go up to the top and look in and see the active magma inside of the volcano. And they have a species of parakeet that lives inside of it. Last plug wow. is Lake Nicaragua is the only freshwater lake in the world with, I believe, bull sharks that live in it. So you've really got everything plus more because you've got freshwater lake with bull sharks um, on Costa Rica. <laughs> That's significantly cheaper Maybe not quite as luxurious as what you can find in Costa Rica, but if you are looking for the nature experience for a fraction of the price of what you'll get in Costa Rica, Nicaragua should be on your radar. And it's even cheap on points. You can fly United from Houston. You can book it via Air Canada for 10,000 miles per person each way in economy or American Airlines flights from Miami for 9,000 AVS per person in economy. Just a really great spot. Lot. I think it's becoming more on people's points and miles radar, specifically because of Kalala Island. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot more that you can do there as well. Yeah. That's All right. I've, I have two dupes to add. First one I'd say would be Montevideo, Uruguay, instead of Buenos Aires, Argentina. The two yeah. are actually so close to each other that if you stand at the edge of the water in Montevideo, you can see the outline of the skyline oh, wow. of Buenos Aires. Like you can take a ferry over there. It's like an hour long trip, super close, culturally very, very similar. You get a lot of people who even travel back and forth for work every single day. You kind of have that like, you know, South America, like European vibe smashed together with amazing food. But in Montevideo, I feel like it's going to be, I don't know, half the price, maybe give or take. And you could even pop over to Buenos Aires for a couple of days and then come back. But that would be a great alternative to consider. And then just more broadly, kind of zooming out on, on what Emily was saying, I feel like Portugal as kind of a dupe for any other European city, particularly the ones that are very expensive, like your Paris's or anywhere in Switzerland. Portugal is going to give you a lot of those same vibes, tons of options to fly there on points and miles, generally direct without having to make a stop in Europe. And everything is going to be a fraction of the cost of what you find in some of these more popular, you know, old school European capital cities. So. Shout out to Portugal on that one. Cool. Thanks yeah. for just Portugal. calling out my Paris trip and telling me that I'm, <laughs> I'm I mean, wasting my time. You did say you haven't taken it yet. So maybe by the time this airs, Travis would have already changed his mind about <laughs> Portugal instead of Paris. Now, the fact that you already have it booked, details. But mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so we talk about dupes. Next trend I wanted to introduce here in the pod is uh, in 2024, is a desire to connect with local people and culture. I think this is a trend that we've really been seeing in travel for a long time, since I've gotten into the space for sure. The days of traveling to an international country and putting yourself up in a Western brand hotel that feels the exact same as the Western brand hotels that you stay in, you know, when you're traveling within the United States and rarely going out are over. Now we're seeing people who want to go and immerse themselves in local culture. They want to meet and interact with people who live there. They want to get a more authentic experience. There's a, a handful of different ways to do this, but perhaps one of the best ones that we have found lately is with a new company that we, we actually just partnered with called Elsewhere. This is a trip, I don't know, how would you describe it? It's kind of a trip curation and booking tool all in one. So Elsewhere uses artificial intelligence, which seems like every internet tool does these days. But the, the way that Elsewhere works is you, you go to their site, you tell them where you want to go, or I guess you can even start with you, not even a specific destination, choose things that you're interested in, it'll recommend spaces. But you can choose where you want to go, choose the number of days, and then select like particular aspects of a trip that you're into. Maybe it's food, maybe it's history or art. And then you can select your budget and it will actually show you specific options for trips that are bookable, complete with where you're going to stay and what you're going to do while on the ground. So that previous 
uh, I guess, process, if you will, of having 15 browser tabs open and trying to get through all the noise to what is actually like local and authentic in places can be completely cut down with elsewhere. There'll be details on that in our site. We'll link it in the show notes as well. This That makes it easy. But of course, elsewhere has not been around for a very long time. So I wanted to ask kind of each of you, how do you think about your approach to when you're traveling somewhere, kind of getting into the authentic culture, meeting people and and getting a real authentic feel for a space? It can be hard for sure, because I think a lot of the resources that most travelers use are like TripAdvisor and and stuff like that, where you can find good stuff, but there's such a huge volume of information that you don't really know if it's authentic. You don't know who's doing the reviewing. Lots of people might think it's great, but who are those people that think it's great? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it can be really overwhelming to plan a trip that way. I mean, usually what I try and do is either if I know people who are in the destination that I'm traveling to, obviously use those resources. Or if you know people who have gone there, just try and ask them for recommendations. But I think it's 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 hard, at least for me. I only really know if I did something that felt authentic after it's like the trip is over, like going up into it. I'm like, it would be really cool to do this. Like when we went to Portugal, we really wanted to see a, a Fado show, just like they're um, a particular style of singing. And there are so many tourist traps, but there are also some that are really beautiful. So how do I know which one I booked until I do it? And then you're kind of like, oh, well, that wasn't exactly it, but we'll try again. <laughs> yeah, I... This this is kind of a tough one for me, and I this what what I'll say is I think people sometimes do get way too caught up in trying to force an authentic experience and dismissing the fact that you're that booking a tour can also be an authentic experience, and it, it's almost as if like like people are trying to fight to prove that they had the most authentic experience possible. Rather than just booking the trip they want, it's okay to not want to take a trip that's authentic. Like if you want to go to Paris and go to the Eiffel Tower, go to Paris and go to the Eiffel Tower. I'm kind of talking this with my wife. I want to go to the Louvre. And she's like, the Louvre is huge. It's overrated. There's other museums. I'm like, I don't care. I haven't been and I want to go to the Louvre, even if there might be other experiences that are more authentic and genuine where you're going. If that's not the experience you want to have, that's okay. First of all, and just be okay with that. Be okay that the time you're spending somewhere is the experience that you want it to be. But if you do want a more authentic experience, whether it's mixing it in with some some other stuff as well, what I do is I try to look for the stuff that's hard. So if it means that there's not tour groups going there, that probably means it's going to be more authentic. Usually stuff that's more outdoors, that's more walking, that's in your general area, but maybe not inside your immediate city. Um, some examples of this that I've done were in Nice, France. Uh, there's a town, it's like 40 minutes by bus called Eze. Sorry that I'm really bad at my French. It's this really old ancient historical town where philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche lived and he walked down to the coast and back up every day. And so there's this trail there called the Nietzsche Trail. I went and hiked it. It was just this beautiful walk, but it was like, it wasn't a hard walk. I mean, it was a pretty decent elevation change. So I just did it down. I didn't do it back up. And I saw maybe five or 10 other people and I was there for like three hours. So these experiences where I find like tours aren't going because tours are 
generally going to cater to making it as easy as possible. If people feel like it's strenuous or tough or difficult, they might like be more likely to leave bad reviews. So tours, and again, this isn't a bad thing towards tours. I take tours all the time, but group organized tours are organized to the least common denominator of capability. And so if you look for things that might be a little bit harder because it's not going to pick you up from your hotel or you have to take public transportation, which as an American seems to scare people a lot. I think you're more likely to get that authentic experience that you're looking for and understand that that authentic experience might not be this revolutionary blow you away experience. Authentic experiences are these things that locals are doing day in, day out. This is part of their normal everyday life. So it might not be something that is just absolutely wow. It could be something as simple as a walk through through a park. Like that was me in Edinburgh. I walked uh, up to this thing called Arthur's Seat. It's just a park right outside the city. Longish hike, but just beautiful views of the city along the way. And so those authentic experiences don't always mean that they're incredible, blow you away. But finding something that's a little bit more off the beaten path is in my opinion, a way to, to, to better find those. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's almost like by definition or by its nature, these are not the kind of things that you can easily find online because the moment yeah. something becomes a little bit too kind of mainstream like that, it seems like it almost spoils it. It, you know, the tours will start to go toward that least common denominator. Like Travis mentioned, it kind of uh, ruins it. So the, the way that I've always approached this that I've, I've found to be successful is to plan some sort of guided event, tour, class, whatever, early in your trip. And then leave enough space in the rest of your trip to where if you get recommendations from someone, you can actually make them happen. So we'll do kind of like the free city walking tours that you find a lot of cities have. And be sure to ask the guide who's often a local who knows the space. Hey, we have four or five other days here. We're interested in these sort of things. What would you recommend that we do to try to get the most authentic experience possible? And that's where, in my experience, you get some of the best advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't overplan, I think is what you're saying. Like when you overplan your yeah. trip, that's when you're you're not leaving yourself time to adapt. So moving on to kind of the last topic, if you will, trends in 2024. I wanted to ask, what are some of your own predictions for trends or things that are going to change in this next year of travel with a kind of a hint of what are you hoping for that's going to change in 2024? This could be for points and miles, cards, airlines, hotels, whatever you fancy. I think one thing I'm really curious about is where things start to net out with Airbnb and like other type of vacation rentals, because I think we've seen things kind of skew away for them from them, which hasn't always been the case in the past. They've, you know, been cheaper than hotels. Maybe they give you more of an authentic feeling or vibe, but now we're kind of starting to see them get really overpriced. You're paying a cleaning fee to also have to still clean it. And it's just kind of like, pushing people, I think, back towards hotels a little bit. I don't know what I want out of it, out of that <laughs> because I still think they're, they're really valuable in certain spaces, like for family travel or just to get kind of like a different experience than you would staying in a hotel. There's a lot more unique destinations that you can book with Airbnbs, but I guess I hope that they kind of skew back towards the way that they used to be, which is less of like a business for the people who own them <laughs> and more of like an experience. Agreed. I'll share a quick hack, if you will, or a trick that I've learned about Airbnbs that was told to me by other travelers. Just if you find an Airbnb you like, just download one of the pictures and do a Google image search 
find that listing where it's not on Airbnb and just go book direct and you save like 15 to 20%. You know, of course you take on the risk of you lose the protections that might be given to you by Airbnb, but you do get around a lot of the other fees and such. And especially if you find a place that's already well-reviewed on Airbnb, you can kind of trust that it's going to be there when you get there. You can save some money by doing that. That's a good one. That is a good yeah. one. more you yeah. know. Yeah. So it's coming in 2024, it'd be Airbnb watermarks over the pictures or yeah. like some sort of authentication <laughs> where you can't you know, <laughs> screenshot their website. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyway, what else is coming up in 2024 in your opinion? Just travel trends in general, rather than like my personal ones. I feel like I've been seeing a lot less emphasis on all inclusives. There seemed to be kind of a surge in all inclusives for a few years. Um, even in points and miles, people really liking all inclusives. And I, I've just seen a lot fewer questions of people asking for information about all inclusives. I think in general, people want to get out more and they feel tied to where they are when they do an all inclusive. Um, and it's not that they don't have, have a place, but I, I think we're going to start seeing all inclusives falling off in popularity. I think that they're going to kind of, they're kind of going the way cruises did over the past decade. Whereas now cruising is actually surging. I think especially with like uh Virgin voyages launching, like we're seeing cruising being less commercialized in a sense. Like they're, they're trying to make it less cookie cutter um, and feel more like a good luxury experience. But I think that where the world of all inclusives are right now, is where cruising was like five to 10 years ago when with Carnival and Royal Caribbean dominating the seas and people looking at them and saying, that's like not really the experience that I want. I want to go somewhere and have it be a unique and authentic experience. And all inclusives a lot of times lose that vibe for lack of a better term. Yeah. So I, I, I'm sure in the next decade or so we'll see a resurgence of them. Um, but right now, like I know myself personally, I find myself way less interested in going to an all-inclusive, but then I see things like Virgin Voyages and I'm like, mm, you know, maybe a cruise wouldn't be such a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of adapting, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And really anecdotally, we've seen like demand for cruises among our audience at 10X. Just continually down, 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 especially after, after COVID, I feel like people still kind of carry with them that thought of, hey, there's a lot of people in a small space. And we know that kind of like outbreak of disease and such on ships is common. And I don't yeah. know, like cruising just kind of has fallen out of the lexicon for yeah. a lot of people. Well, not, not only that, but it's pretty difficult to book them with points and miles, unless yeah. you're like, I know you can do it through some of the portals, but I think it's, it's not a popular thing to to spend your points and miles on when there's so many other options. I mean, if anything, I literally had a free carnival cruise for like years. Do they keep emailing me offers for better and better? And like, literally it's like, Oh, we'll cover your tips. Plus give you this like free drink package. You just have to pay the taxes, which is like a hundred bucks or something. It's not much. And I still haven't done it. I'm still just like, you know, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'll pass. I mean, I'm passing on a basically free cruise free that yeah. leaves out of a port that's 45 minutes from my house. I don't even have to fly to get there. Like, let's throw that out there. <laughs> 2024 trend, Travis will not be cruising. No. <laughs> Sounds like that's a safe bet. Here's some other some other 2024 trends that that I'm particularly excited about. The first one is kind of the the rise of artificial intelligence coming to travel and particularly like travel planning. And we've talked on this 
particular episode already about the difficulties that many people have planning a trip, right? How do you find what you want to do? Is that authentic or not? Is this price good? Is this, does this kind of, you know, match my vibe or the type of traveler I am? And even in just kind of some playing with chat GPT on my own, just kind of come up with a five day itinerary for this particular place. It's getting pretty good. And I'm excited for the many new companies and technologies that are seemingly going to emerge from this that are going to make that entire process easier and at least feel like it's a little bit more tailored to what you're looking for. And kind of on a, on a similar note, I'm excited for that technology coming to the points and miles space and really just the continued advance of the scraping technologies that we're seeing drive these award point search sites. These are the seats.arrow roams of the world that are making it easier to redeem our points and miles. Those just continually advance in their complexity and their capabilities. And as long as we don't have you know, other kind of counterpunches from industry, if you will, I think you're going to see a rise in that and it's going to make it easier for all of us. And I'm excited for just more huge card offers. It seems like every year that has kind of passed really since COVID, we're seeing banks put out these just mega offers, huge bonuses. They're adding up perks. There's more and more airport lounges. It's just becoming better in all ways for customers, particularly those of us who are points and miles savvy. I really hope that can tr- that trend continues in 2024 and I expect that it will. I'm curious, what about you? What about y'all as individual travelers? Like as as we're going into 2024, what are you what are you seeing as individual travelers, like your personal trends that that are changing? I can throw mine out there while y'all yeah. think. <laughs> Please do. I, yeah. I'm finding myself as a traveler, especially as a points and miles traveler, my perspective is changing. I used to be so focused on maximizing my points. And that's not really how I'm thinking about it anymore. Now it's more about maximizing my experiences. I used to always want to stay in the most luxurious hotel wherever I'm going. I am still flying business or first class just about anywhere I go with my points. That one is not changing. But in terms of like my on the ground experience, I was always trying to book the nicest hotel where I'm going. And now I'm finding myself really balancing it more to save my points, but to still get the experience I want. So on my upcoming Paris trip that will be done by the time this is live, I'm staying in a courtyard in Paris. It's really close to everything. It's right next to a train station. So it's going to be really convenient. And it's a destination where I'm not going there to spend time in my hotel. I just need a safe, clean place to sleep at night and come back, you know, and get ready in the morning. And so I'm really finding myself shifting my perspective towards maximizing my experiences and accepting that my points don't have to be there to get a thousand dollar a night hotel just because I have the points to do it. Instead, let me save them for something like the Maldives or the Seychelles or like the new JW Marriott in, uh, in, is it Kenya? That one's really on my radar. Like save those points for those experiences where the hotel really does matter and impacts it. And otherwise like just get what I want out of the trip. Yeah. And to be clear, Travis, when you say you're staying in a courtyard in Paris, that's a courtyard by Marriott, not a courtyard, like an outdoor space (laughs) around someone's house. Right. Yes. It's a courtyard by Marriott. Yeah. Yeah. And they might have use of Eiffel Tower too. Have an intervention. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, there's some good courtyards not by Marriott that have good views Eiffel Tower too, but a little That's cold. True. That's true. A little cold. <laughs> yeah. Emily, how about you? I think a trend that like we're kind of heading towards is slowing down slightly, not just with like the number of cards that we're getting, but 
I think when I first got into points and miles, I was like, wow, I have the ability to travel like multiple times a month because I have, I can fund it with these points and miles. Like let's go to Nashville for a weekend. Let's go to Atlanta for a weekend. Let's go to all these places. And it was really exciting. And now I'm kind of like, okay, like just because I can, doesn't mean I have to, like there was kind of this pressure to, to use them because I had them. And now I'm kind of like, okay, this is the first year where I have three weddings instead of six. So I don't want to use those other weekends to travel to places that aren't my home. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to be traveling, but I, I've moved to this new state in the past two years and the number of weekends that I've spent in it are like way less than I wanted it to be. Like I, I haven't done as many camping trips or just like exploring Colorado as I would have liked. So I think next year will be a, a lot more like road trips um, and that type of stuff versus let's just do a quick weekend getaway to LA for fun because we can. <laughs> Agreed. I, and for me, very much the same to, to what both of you mentioned. I think the, the single biggest emphasis for me in 2024 is just more of slow and lengthy stays in single locations instead of hop, hop, hop. Part of that driven by the fact that I have three young kids. Part of that driven by the fact that I've been to most of kind of like the major touristy cities before, you know, less desire to go back and do it again. But I feel like I'm coming to discover that the really, the, the essence of travel, or at least for me, the best part is after you have been somewhere for five or six days and kind of like the jet lag has worn off and like the novelty has worn off. And then you start settling into routine and you start finding what are our favorite places we go back to? Like, how are we going to do, you know, groceries and like, what's going to be kind of like a daily routine for us. And when you get into that type of new lifestyle, that even for just a little bit, that to me is becoming the best part of travel. And I hope to do more of that in 2024 and beyond. So that is 2024. Everything that's about to happen, you heard it here first. We talked about our predictions. We talked about some trends. We did our usual fun banter around pronunciation and all sorts of other fun things, shouting out for sponsors. So we're going to put together some final thoughts and wrap this thing up uh, as we get into the new year. So of course, we are here to help you make all of this happen in your own life from a points and miles perspective. Again, I want to encourage you to sign up for 10X Travel Plus. Use those one-on-one -on -one consults to have these types of conversations with us. You can talk about where you want to go. You can talk about how to find more local experiences. Like We can be a resource for a lot of these things that we just mentioned here for your travels in 2024 and beyond. My 10X, our free tool, is going to make it so much easier for you to accomplish these by managing all of your cards, points, and miles in one place for free so that, that you can get to a point where you feel like, you know what, I have a lot of points. My 2024, 2025 goal is to also slow down a little bit. Or you want to go see every top, every stop on the Eras Tour in Europe, you can do that too. <laughs> Make sure to join our Facebook group where we now have over 285,000 insiders coming together to share their own points and miles knowledge and answer questions like the ones we had on today's show. And finally, make sure to enroll or revisit or brush up on your points and miles knowledge with our free course that teaches you how to travel the world for next to nothing. For Travis and Emily, I'm Bryce Conway. This has been Takeoff, a points and miles podcast by 10X Travel. Hope to see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.